And now, it's time for Inside Conan, an important Hollywood podcast. Hey. Hey. It's uh, it's me, Jesse Gaskell. Uh, I'm Mike Sweeney, and welcome to Inside Conan, an important Hollywood podcast. See how we broke the title up there? Yeah, we've we're, gotten we're really uh, talk about syncing up. Talk about being in sync. Our cycles are synced. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's a different story. <laughs> um, so this week we are on hiatus, right? The and me- yet you and I are still here. Yes, here in in Los Angeles. Oh, well, here in the in, studio. In, yeah, here working, recording a yes. podcast. Here, calling this work. Here on Earth, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> but uh, hiatus, uh, i.e., our show's dark for the week. Yeah. I.e., our people scatter. The office is dark. Right. Um, but, except for we actually have done some work because we're we're working on the travel show. Yes, too. we're working on a travel show and figure, still figuring out where we're going. Yes, uh, I think we're going to announce that in a week or two. Conan but I'm will. getting all the shots you might need to go anywhere. That's good. Yeah, I'm getting every I have all the hepatitises. Oh, that's smart. Yeah. So A through C. A, oh, there's I think there's even more than that now. Wow. Yeah. I I I'm glad someone is hard at work trying to come up with. New, New hepatitis. Hepatitis. If you come up with a <laughs> hepatitis D, then you can also do the shots for it, and that yeah, that's a oh, money I maker. Know. That's right. Pitch it to Pfizer. Makes sense. Uh, good. You got your shots. Yeah. Good. And pills. You got pills. I got the pills. I got all the pills. Okay. I, again, I'm just being vague because right. we, we haven't announced it no. yet. No. Um, so it's, it could be, they could be birth control pills. I don't know. They I don't know. I didn't want to say it when you said pills, but <laughs> I don't want to pry. Uh, Got to get prepped for my, for the travel week. Oh yeah. Yeah. I hope we go to Ohio. <laughs> Let's just take it easy this time. That, that is, I would need birth control pills. Yes, there, you would. Oh, the men of Ohio get them. are, they're irresistible. <laughs> Uh, we do have an interview banked from our uh, our delightful couple of days in New York. Yes, with Allison Silverman. Allison Silverman. She was a writer on Late Night. Yeah, and she, no relation to Sarah, right? Because no. a lot of people are related to Sarah. I mean, is, is that true? Well, I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. She has who's a couple related of, to Sarah Silverman. Uh, other Silvermans. Uh, okay. Know. Yeah. <laughs> right. That makes sense. But Allison is very funny. She. Wrote for Late Night in the 90s. Right. Well, no, actually oh, in the aughts. In the aughts. Okay. Yes. I think like 2002 to 2005. Oh, cool. And since then, she went on to work on a lot of great shows. Yeah. Her resume, it, like name name a popular show and it's on there. Yeah. Like a popular, cool show. She yes. She yeah, critically the, acclaimed and also- Exactly. Uh, Award-winning. Publicly, mainstream acclaimed. It's all- all the stuff the other TV shows. writers hate. Yes. <laughs> when she left Late Night, she went on to help uh, create The Colbert Report. After that, Portlandia. After that, The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Oh and my God. most recently, I think, Russian Doll. Wow. It's crazy. That's like, yeah. she's peaked so many times. She uh, She's good Nothing at- Nothing but uh, peaks. She applies for, she knows what jobs to apply for. I guess so. Yeah. We should ask her for career, career advice. advice. <laughs> And uh, she had she had a nickname for you when she worked for you. She did. What was it? Uh, well, it's a part of your body. Okay. Um, Where excrement comes out. Well, yeah, yeah. 
It's it's there's a sphincter <laughs> in the area, it and that was, her nick, that, yeah. was her nickna- that was her nickname. That was her nickname for you. That just shows what a cool boss I was. <laughs> that she could, that, you, that she got away with calling. She that. could call me asshole. I <laughs> Man, I want to work for that asshole. That is that is very because you can call him chill asshole. Of you. Most assholes, you you know, you have to like call them that out of your shot. Right. So, but she did it to your face. I'm just saying there are levels of being an asshole. And, that is one relaxed sphincter right there. Yes. Thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you. So, uh, you without, get it. Without further ado. Without further ado, here's Allison. Allison Silverman. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Allison. Thank you. I'm excited to see you oh guys. Oh, my God. You have a, a really in- impressive writing resume. And, I, I mean, I just can't believe that Late Night with Conan O'Brien is on it. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. What, well, listen, you had some poor judgment early on. Yeah. But then, then that you That was your up. slump. They are pretty amazing four yeah. years. Um, yeah, you were there. So you were there four years. It was yeah. four years. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And was this this was after you'd been working on The Daily Show? Yes. Okay. Yeah. There were people on Conan that I'd seen, you know, I I spent time after college in Chicago and I took classes at Second City and so I would see people like uh Brian Stack and John mm-hmm. Glazer mm-hmm. and Kevin Dorf and Brian McCann and and they were all at Conan and I just, you know, adored them. I was really excited. And did you submit a packet? How I did. did you Okay. And then who hired you? Mr. Mike Sweeney what? hired me. That's crazy. I'm sitting <laughs> oh, right here. That's... And I don't know any of this. Yes. Uh, yes, you were fantastic. You were hired right away. Yeah, and, and uh, I just want to know a lot. I mean, yes. you, you at that point, were you the second woman writer that there had ever been? Or were there had there been more than that? Janine DiTullio yes. was a bat, back then as it has been for most of the history, there's like some mono writers who just work on the monologue. Yes. And then sketch writers. Janine was a monologue writer. Mm-hmm. And then, yes, I think then Allison. Ellie, right? And Ellie, of course. Oh, Ellie. yeah. Yes. Ellie, Baransic, and then Allison. Yeah. So was Ellie there when you started? She was not. Okay. So it was it was all boys. It was. Yeah. yeah. It was. And when I said The Daily Show, it was all boys, too. Yeah. Um, which... Is strange. It feels stranger now than it did at the time. Yeah, <laughs> because no, that I was, was just that used was the to norm that. at the time. Right. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'd love to hear. Maybe we'll talk about your subsequent shows you've worked on and what the makeup was. How it's mm-hmm. kind I'm of curious evolved. About yeah. That. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's definitely, I believe, been an evolution. Yeah. 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 No, there's been a lot of changes, but you know, um, thank God, I had grown up just watching casts that were. Almost all men, if not all mm-hmm. men, and performing in comedy groups in college that were mostly, mostly all men. Male. Yeah, it's strange how things just don't seem as strange as they should. <laughs> right. No, yeah. it was all accepted. And you know what? As as when we'd get submissions, it skewed incredibly heavily male. Well, yeah, yeah. And I at the time didn't think, oh, like the idea of being proactive about right diversifying the room. I. It was almost like a male thing, like, I guess I guess women don't like our show. Well, that's what David Letterman said when oh, Tina Fey pressed him on it. He said, um, oh. I, th- I assumed women didn't want to write for my show. Right. Or why would they want to write for my show? Right. And it's like, well, no, they, they did. It was just, I mean, I think one thing I'm curious about is what made you think, oh, I, I, I can be a comedy writer. I want to be a comedy writer. Did you have people who were either mentoring you or, or that you admired, that you thought, okay, I can right. kind of model myself on them? 
<laughs> it may be that I never um, really considered myself a very successful girl. <laughs> I don't know what it was. Like, I tend to skew, <laughs> like, girl. I just feel like, I remember at one point, like, someone calling me miss or something. And as they left, I thought to myself, like, how did they know I was a girl? <laughs> Which is I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I'm straight. I present pretty cis. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I, I don't know how that really happened. But I, I always felt like I was just a weird girl. I mean, it's great today. Someone wrote me an email about like a set of animators for a project that I'm hoping happens. And I looked at it and I was like, we need more women on this. Bring it back when there are more women on this list. And that's mm-hmm. something that I was really excited to be able to do and shocked that uh well, I didn't, I guess I wasn't in the position of hiring, but that it just didn't seem like it was deal. incredibly obvious to me at the time. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think if you spend a lot of time doing things that are mostly male, then yeah, you you probably don't think that often about your gender until suddenly it becomes, oh, I'm, I have to be the temperature taker of yeah. stuff for women. So you were that on multiple staffs, it sounds like. I was. Yeah, that's true. And I, I do remember that, you know, I remember that coming up more at The Daily Show because we were dealing in politics. politics yeah. and, right. um, and uh, I, I think uh, I, I think there were moments when that felt strange to me. And I think there were also moments where I felt like, yes, I'm ready to tell right, you right, what yes. womankind yeah, yeah. believes about this. Gather around. Um, right. And I remember doing one bit there called, um, well, Vance DeGeneres was a, a correspondent of the show, and DJ Javerbaum and I did, we kind of played on how skewed the show was, or how skewed news was, by having a piece called Women's Health with Vance DeGeneres <laughs> that had, like, and it was just all awkward, and he was talking and, you know, saying all kinds of things that he, his delivery made clear he didn't understand and yeah. that was fun. Yeah. Fun. <laughs> yeah. I remember Carell was a guest host. John Stewart was actually not there and they kind of couldn't get through rehearsal because <laughs> it was just so awkward to be saying all these things to each other. <laughs> I kind of loved that. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, and I don't mean to make it all about like you as a trailblazer, but it is remarkable. Oh, absolutely. That like you probably didn't feel that way at the time, but Sort of looking back, I, yes, I, yeah, mm-hmm. that there were just not that many women writing in late night, and it's and yeah, you're on a short list. I would love to know. <laughs> there, pro- oh, you don't have to share them, but I bet there were tons of times maybe where you felt you had to. Bi- I don't know whether you felt you had to bite your tongue about mm. stuff going on, or just pitches, or. or <laughs> <laughs> well, I was. I'm just remembering this yeah. actually, which doesn't quite answer that question, which I'll get to. But like, sure. I remember because my mom has this picture of me framed that was from a magazine or something. And it said that that year we were, as we were perennially, up for an Outstanding Writing Emmy. And of all the late night writers, which was probably like 60, I mean, they're big staffs, right. I was the only woman on that entire <gasps> oh, roster. Wow. Yeah. That's really? incredible. Yeah. Wow. So that was like 2004 or something? Yeah. Yeah. With regards to... I don't remember. I mean, I think I just kind of, sometimes I just felt like this is just such an interesting little window. I'm not going to yeah. close anything down because I never got to hear this stuff before. It was right. really fun. So I, I, I don't remember times where I, I mean, that room was just very silly, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So I didn't, like, I didn't, I don't remember times when I felt like I, I was uh, particularly offended or, or, yeah. Right. 
Yeah, because yeah. it's it's all a blur to me, you know. So, <laughs> no, but seriously, and also right. some things, you know, there are things now that are considered like, oh my God, that would be incredibly offensive, and right. so. Going back in that time, I don't know if it seemed that way. Right, right. And you don't want to kind of create wounds that weren't there already. <laughs> oh, come on. Let's <laughs> yeah. do it. No, no, absolutely not. Well, what were your first impressions of working on the show when you when you started? Do you remember? I, I remember when I came to my interview with Mike that Glazer and Andrew Weinberg, I think, were... <laughs> Throwing around a football oh in the elevator God. bank. Oh, those two jocks. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> and I remember there being um, – the place truly needed to be renovated. It was very, yes. very disgusting. And there were uh, the ceiling tiles. There was a ceiling tile that was out of place. And, like, there were empty cans up there in the <laughs> ceiling Food. space. Oh, yeah. And you would talk about how people would try to throw things up and we, land them there. Yeah. This, this happened a few years before you came on board. But the food was still up there. And uh, we had a real uh, mouse situation for a, lo- a long time. Um, yeah, we'd eat dinner after the show. And I think Tommy Blotcha. So somebody punched some tiles out in the ceiling and started throwing leftover food up there. And it became a <laughs> nightly tradition for no good reason. But that's, I think, we what people trapped. expect when they hear about a comedy right. room. Yes. They imagine this just pigsty of beanbags. It was and a bit of a, it was a yeah, pigsty. Cheeto bags. It was gross. Yeah. I'm sorry. I apologize to everyone. <laughs> Although, How was Sweeney as a boss back then? Once again, we're out of time. Uh-oh. <laughs> My you can memories... say anything. I'm going to step out. <laughs> <laughs> what I remember is very jovial, <laughs> a lot of fun, long nights, yeah. some moments of indecision. <laughs> <laughs> you bet. Well, I've come a long way since then. That's his, his trademark. Yeah, I know. <laughs> right. Well, you know, it's hard to decide. It's not a precise science. It's not accounting. But I'd like Up to until s- the deadline and then two hours after that. I would like to brag that I'm indecisive in all facets of my life. <laughs> That's not very just, decisive than you to say. Not just comedy. <laughs> no, late nights. Ugh. Uh, some of them... I will say, like, there was great variety. One of the things that I really made me excited about being on the show was that you got to produce your pieces. So sometimes Mm -hmm. you'd be in an editing room or sometimes, I mean, there'd be amazing moments where, you know, at 10 p.m., 10.30, we would decide that we were going to do some piece and you would leave a a voicemail message for Bobby Berg, who was our set designer. designer, And the next morning you would come in and there'd be a set for something ridiculous. I've never encountered that anyplace else you know I, I haven't haven't been everywhere right but it was really pretty amazing and jason kirshner was a, a an artist and set designer and he did amazing work oh right right he was great yeah no i mean that late night was based on the saturday night live model yeah. so where all the writers produce their own comedy which is great when, mm-hmm. when things go well you you can be proud of every decision you made for those who know how to make decisions, not me. <laughs> and then, but the the bad side was if obviously, as you t- as we all know, yeah. if something doesn't go, you're just like, oh, oh so who, who can I blame? <laughs> yes, no, no there's one. no escape. But I, I think also that's why sets got built so quickly because just kind of that SNL model of right m- making things appear overnight like yeah. magic. And uh, all the 
puppetry. I just remember a lot of a lot of them were very small sets that would just appear mm-hmm. and be kind right. of magical because we'd be doing stuff in stop motion or. Didn't you, you do? I, oh, I hope I remember correctly. I I always loved it. I think it was a satellite TV channel. It was um, a channel for dogs with hearing impaired dogs. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. And so you had a, a Labrador retriever and you had Paul. Did you do the puppeting for that? Uh, I think I did do the puppeting. Right, yeah. There was a the little square in the, uh, in the, in the lower, lower right. Right. To uh, interpret it for oh, it was sign language. And she had the pause oh the, the lab doing sign oh, that's language. That's really funny. Oh, it was, it was really, I, funny. It's really stupid. I love really those fake yeah. animal pods. Fake yes. animal very pods. Soft spot in my it heart. It goes back though. to Tunsis. It goes yeah. back to Tunsis, which I showed my four-year-old the oh. other day. I was I was showing him. Oh, I was showing them a lot of Steve Martin, and I thought I was showing them the good stuff. And then I was like, "Oh, Tunsis," and that was what went over you. Tunsis, <laughs> the driving was it the Tunsis, the driving cat? Right? Yes, the that cat was who his could big drive talent. a car. Right. But yeah. he was terrible. I mean, he could drive, but then he would like go over a cliff. Which and then, was they're I notoriously was bad drivers. Fantastic. Yeah. Yes. So that our show also yeah had a history of bad. Absurd puppetry. Intentionally bad. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 And it you still you, does on occasion. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Absolutely. But you, you, you'd come from The Daily Show, so you kind of already had that anxiety of having to produce something really quickly and the, the deadline-oriented writing. Yes. No, it was, there was much more anxiety at The Daily Show because <laughs> we would... Uh, this changed eventually, but we would do this thing where we would get a story in the morning and then you would go off and write your version of it with, you know, all your jokes. And then we would all sit in a room with uh, our head writer, um, Ben and John, and you would just go person to person and read your version of it. Oh, boy. Um, and that was scary. Yeah. That was scary. terrifying. Yeah, that was really scary. So with Conan... Sweeney would have a stack of papers and would not identify and I would love read it out. I, I read yes. them anonymously. I love yes. it. Which sometimes I could tell. Everyone has different We always styles. try to guess. Of who, course. It's yeah. fun to guess. It's fun to guess. Right. But having to read yeah. your own, oh my, I would be scared every single time. It was super scary. It was super scary. Yeah. And I. getting relaxed. It was hard. It was yeah. hard. There were days, of course, like just like you were saying with the producing, where you just felt right. like you were a genius. Right. Um, and then other <laughs> days where you would. So I, I had, you know, because I was the only woman there, I had my own bathroom. <laughs> so I would go oh, in the bathroom great. and like weep. <laughs> Sometimes I would weep after one that went really oh. badly. But, um, you know, also there are just definitely people who are just much better salesmen, of course, at pitching right. um, than others. Yeah. I, I don't feel like I'm the best at that. Uh, Those anyway. are people without a soul. Right. Their soul How can you do that and not people. be I know. freaking out? But it's so much <laughs> in, the, in the selling that yes, I think I know. subpar ideas often get chosen if, yeah. they're, if they're sold well. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah. Sometimes it means cracking up over, you know, fake cracking up over I, your right, own right. Oh, yeah, And yeah. I just, when I see that, I can't take it. <laughs> oh, because now you, you know it when you, you see yeah. it. Oh, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Some people are masters at that, you mm-hmm, know. That's, mm-hmm. So... I, I didn't know this. The Daily Show is the same, similar setup where you'd produce. No, that okay. is uh, that's not the case. Uh, right. We would. Um, well, this is uh, so. This is such old, you know, version right. of their how right, they worked. Right, right. When I was there, we would write our version of whatever stories we'd been assigned, and then that would be put together and produced mm-hmm. by our head writer. I mean, it, that cuts both ways. In one way, it's like. If you quibble with with some of their choices, it's probably frustrating to give up your your child like right. that to someone else. 
But on the other hand, if you can always it's say they ruined like, it. Uh, if they yeah. screw it up, it's not my fault. <laughs> right. Yes. Right. I want to hear more about Take having your, your own bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Did, did men ever try to get we, in there, or do they? We would like be pay crying you to use it. We'd be crying together in the yes, men's room. Right. So you were <laughs> communal crying. crying. <laughs> right. We had no. I mean, have you were... ever cried at work, Sweeney? I wonder how many men on I, our show have cried. At early work. on, when I, I had the head writing job, it was a giant adjustment for me. And I there were nights after the show, or maybe after the act two, where act three, I'd literally walk out of the studio, walk to the uh, directly to the elevator, go down, and just walk around 30 rock and stay away for 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. That's the closest I came to crying. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And then it's like, I've got to go up to that fucking ninth floor again. And, you know, because you had to do, it'd be like Tuesday and you had three more shows to do. right. I've cried countless times at work. Is that true? Yeah. Really? (laughs) Yeah. I have to. I feel like I've (laughs) cried in front of so many celebrities. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> Do tell. Oh, my God. Don't that's a hold great, back names. Yeah, that's a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> crying in front of celebrities. Well, I mean, just because I've gotten a chance to write with them and at some point I always end up crying, which for me, like, is related to, uh, I mean, I, I, it's it's uh, toned down in the, in the past <laughs> 18 years, maybe. Yeah. But uh, it always came down to, like, just, uh, you know what Conan said to me at one point in his dressing <laughs> room he was like you can't care so much because oh. i would just get so invested in things right, right. and i do think that and one I, of the things about being only woman uh around a bunch of men i think that there is a tendency for men to freak out at tears when often what they're presenting is just a release. passion or yeah. release right. or yeah. whatever right i'm it's the way that we release it. tension that that's right n- instead of violence if it's not directed toward me, I'm totally cool with people crying. <laughs> I think it's healthy, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I always feel better after a cry, and then I'm like, all right, I'm ready to go. I, Put me back in. I There are years I went without crying, and I felt the I felt like I was depriving myself of feeling it's better. Like you'd been celibate, yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, my tears had dried up. That's very sad. Well. <laughs> Wait, what were we talking about? Right. I don't know. I want to hear about more oh. about celebrities you've crossed. Oh, yes, that's it. <laughs> oh, oh, I mean, I <laughs> let's see. I mean, I just, the ones that, that I've worked were... for. Oh, oh, oh. Um, yeah, oh, I just mean things. the ones I've worked for. Oh, and, okay. and, mm-hmm. and John Hodgman. <laughs> uh. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess I, we're just friends, but whenever we have lunch, I always end up crying. <laughs> Is that true? <laughs> I, John brings out something in me. I don't know. Like, I just feel oh, like every funny. time I'm like, all right, I'm just setting myself up to cry with John Hodgman. <laughs> because he, he's, he's very uh, sweet. He's a sweet guy. Very and um, I think he, I, I don't know. I don't know exactly what it is. Yeah, he, he makes, makes me cry. cry. I, you know what? I think it's because he's uh, he's always encouraging me to do my own thing, and I've never done it. <laughs> I feel like he's always encouraging me to write a book, and I'm oh. always like, I've not done it yet. Do you, do you feel like you're disappointing him? <laughs> Maybe that's it. <laughs> he I don't is know. a great mentor for he writers. Is. He used to run a comedy column in the New York Times, and my wife submitted one, and he was super encouraging to her. Oh. And... Helped her, uh, encouraged her to rewrite it, and she eventually got one published. And it's the first thing fiction she ever got published. Oh, and she's indebted to him, loves him. And, and he used to be in, in publishing years and yes, years and yes, years ago, an editor, right? A book yeah. editor, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's he's a yeah, great he's guy. Wonderful. So when he tells you to write a book, it sounds like instead of crying, write the, the book. <laughs> write the freaking book. What are you doing? 
I thought you were so powerful and successful now. You hired celebrities to sit with you while you cried. (laughs) Right. I just assumed that was it. So you recently worked on a Russian doll. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Which I, man, I built that down fat. So I'm curious about the writer's room there. What was Mm. the makeup of the writer's room there in terms of gender, since we've been talking about gender? Mm -hmm. Right. Well, it was was all women. Oh. Um, Oh, my God. It was uh, a very small writing room and uh, all women the whole time. I say the whole time because some people came in for a few weeks and had other projects and other people Mm -hmm. would come in. But, yeah. No, that was... um, important to uh natasha and leslie um who were the showrunners there it's it, it's almost mind-blowing that that even can exist right yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no but that that's that, things are so different yeah well so how do you compare i know that's it's probably apples and oranges in terms of the shows being so yes, different yeah right but how do you compare that atmosphere to your earlier experiences working in a crazily predominantly male writers room. They're so, so different. Right. I mean, all I would say is that gender did not really enter into it very much, maybe because it was all women. Like, we didn't mm-hmm. really talk mm-hmm. about gender all that right. much. When Natasha, I mean, she came in with a very clear style that she was interested in, and and she immediately was like, watch uh, The Long Goodbye by Robert Altman, mm-hmm. uh, directed by Robert Altman with Elliot Gould. I basically want to be Elliot Gould. So um, she, right, so she had a, a, obviously a, a male actor as as her influence, and yeah, we just went for it that way, which was really fun to have her kind of have a sense of her being a gumshoe and just think of her in, in, in ways that were not defined by gender, yeah. of course. Right. Can I brag for you on your behalf? I, I was so impressed. You created the Colbert Report with Stephen Colbert, which... I, that oh, I, don't, sh- I didn't know that. Yes. Oh, my God. You left Conan, oh. and you're like, oh, I'm, I'm going to, you know, I'm working, I'm working on, on a personal project. Uh, yeah, <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> and you created this sh- show. I really, yeah. I don't think there's had been, there's been nothing like that. Oh, no. Before, since. It's, it's an all-time I, favorite. Doing that show with him playing that character five nights a week. And there were nights I'd watch him, and it it's as if it would seem like a Broadway play to me. Like, <laughs> I I couldn't believe it was written that day. It would, and the way he performed it, I could not believe how amazing oh, it was. Thank you. Yeah. So and, so you were were you working on that? I mean, were you sort of concurrently working on that while you were still at Conan? Or I was not, and I I should. Correct, Mike Sweeney. I was not a creator of it, but I did oh. come on as head writer and and uh, immediately. It's so, close. Oh, but, uh, yeah. but in that capacity, certainly you had a big input into forming. I think a that's brand true. New show. I think that's absolutely true. But I just okay. want to be clear that I'm, I'm right. not a creator of it. But okay. um, but I will take that. I yeah, Good. I did. I absolutely did. Um, I was not working on it um, concurrently, and you know I had seen. I didn't really know Steve. Well, I'd seen Stephen back at Second City like when I was in college um, back in the uh, 90s. And then I had an office next to him at The Daily Show, but we didn't really cross paths that much. All I really remember was that he ha- he played his voicemail messages really loud. <laughs> and we were like in our, we were going up against our deadlines and preparing to go into the the killing field that was that uh, <laughs> writer's the room. Pitch meeting, yeah. I, the pitch meeting, I would um Were they I famous people? Was he trying to impress people with his voicemail, voicemail messages? <laughs> <laughs> they 
they were very, very well. Very nice. uh, it was him and it was him and Steve Carell sharing an office. It's like really next door yeah. to me. It's crazy, but yeah, thank you. You know, uh, uh, I love Stephen so much, and he was just always up for anything, and uh, it was so exhausting to write. And I, I, <laughs> I remember like early on, we had this idea that um, David Cross was going to come on, and he was going to be sort of the Al Franken to Colbert's um, Bill O'Reilly. Mm-hmm. He was his character named Russ Lieber, we had decided. <laughs> and uh, we had him and we were, you know, in our office and we were pitching and pitching. And and then somehow he, just as he was leaving, he discovered that the show was on every night and not every week. And uh, he just left saying, oh, well, that's impossible. You guys, what? <laughs> you're never oh. going to be able to do that. <laughs> and then like walked out. <laughs> it was too hard, but but uh-huh. wonderful and very, you know, it gave back because it was, you just could feel how much fun it was. Um, right. But it felt like you were, the other thing was like you had to very quickly, you had whatever news stories or you wanted to cover and you had to figure out, okay, what's my point of view? You know, what's our point of view as the writers and as Steven, and then how do you present that in the opposite way, you know, kind of like parallel parking or something, um, or just driving in reverse. So that was really, it was really hard. We had a great time, though. We felt like we were doing something special, um, which is a, you know, doesn't come around I mean, it's, yeah, yeah, it it became my favorite. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. It it was great. And I I remember you came by, and I, I always think of this as kind of a, a big moment too when he I forget 2006 maybe I forget the year Stephen was doing the White House Correspondents Dinner right and I think you came by to say hi and you had the script or someone came by with it mm. and and I think some of us were really interested and we were reading it and we just were like wow this I mean the jokes were fantastic oh did he and he did it in character I assume or yes yeah, he, he did. did it in character yeah. and I, I think it was one of it just got such a big reaction. Right. Because he really, you know, is George W. Bush and. He really let him have it. Yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. I think so much so the next year it was like Rich Little. Was, <laughs> That's exactly right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They yeah. Doing Carson impressions. So. Yeah, but you so were the there, press, I, I was assume, there. right? So that had to be quite an experience. And the I'm reaction, guessing. I should say, the reaction was delayed. I'm, the reaction in the room was just death it was oh no uh, brutal really? brutal yes um and i was mostly just super proud of steven because as a performer because he kept going when it was very hard to watch because the audience other than lawrence fishburne and jeffrey wright who i love <laughs> who were laughing very hard <laughs> nobody else wow. would uh, give anything and the president was right there i don't um, but i don't think I thought, because yeah. his performance was so i don't think there was a I, sense that of that came across right. when, I, when i watched it but you were being in the room is a whole different experience it was so uncomfortable it was very very uncomfortable i was sitting at a table with steven's family and before the speech, all these celebrities, I mean, who are very strange by the way. It would be like, I remember seeing Henry Kissinger talking to Morgan Fairchild. Like, they're just the table. No, of course, of course. Um, But, you know, all these people would come over and talk to Stephen's family and say how much, you know, they enjoyed the show. And then after, like, people were just keeping their distance from our table and 
It was oh so, and then I politics. Yeah, I, I went to <laughs> see Stephen, and I didn't even know. I wasn't even sure what to say, other than that I was really proud that he stuck <laughs> to it. That's so brave. Then, uh, <laughs> yeah, right. You looked exactly. like you were having fun out there. Right. Exactly right. Good for you. You did it. <laughs> right. <laughs> you maintained eye contact with the audience? <laughs> That's it. Right. And then, uh, but then C-SPAN, people started seeing it on C-SPAN and on YouTube, which was still pretty new. Mm-hmm. Right. And then it sort of built up afterwards that there was, a, and, and it really just felt like, oh gosh, you know, people have really been waiting for I mean the amount of enthusiasm people had then just felt like okay people have been really waiting for someone it was, they've been waiting for yeah. this moment I, I remember it in my power. mind being really big but right. how, what was so there was a de- built in delay there of, was like a day or, or was it yeah something a couple so of it was days almost, yeah. so that must have been <laughs> It, yeah, it was an evolving situation. And like, are we yeah. going to get arrested? Where I mean, what what's right, the worst right, right. case scenario? <laughs> right. <laughs> but did yeah. you feel kind of vindicated or or like? Oh, it uh, felt so great. Yeah. You know, you know, I have to say, like, there was another before. You know, they give out these um, scholarships too, these journalistic scholarships um, for high school students. And there was a, a cocktail party before the dinner. Mm-hmm. And I was speaking to this mom um, whose son was going to get a scholarship. And she was African-American. And I said, you must be, wow, your son's going to meet the president. And you must be so excited. She's like, no, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about this scholarship. You know, she, yeah. right. she was rightfully skeptical yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and ready to say something. So, yeah, I, people were really ready for something like that. It was great. It was wonderful. That's that's a neat experience. I, I know. And that yeah. kind of, it seems like since then, it, it's really, like, that was maybe the dawn of of what late night is now, which is just, the, yeah, it's in all. A, in a way where it just, yeah. the, the battle lines being drawn. Right. I mean, they were, they were drawn earlier than that, but yeah. it just got more and, you know, it's. And where evolved. people are now playing for the larger audience of the people watching on YouTube as opposed to just oh, that's people in the room, too. Right. Yes. Right. That- yeah, that's interesting, those two different audiences that you mm-hmm. have whenever you have something. We went to, um, with Colbert, we went to Iraq. We did, this was when Don't right. Ask, Don't Tell was still a thing. And we decided to do a... Well, it might be a thing again. <laughs> I mean, we... <laughs> right. Yeah, right. We did a thing, you know, the whole audience were military uh, folks, and Stephen really wanted to do a, a piece about Don't Ask, Don't Tell, which was... it was an, That was an amazing experience, because just seeing all, you know, these troops, and they were laughing at how how this policy <laughs> was not working and made no sense. And just, I, it felt important to me or cool to me that we got to show like, hey, listen, listen to all these troops is laugh at this failed policy for all the people in Congress who are saying that it's uh, it would be an insult to the troops to have gay people openly serve. Mm-hmm. They're laughing at how ineffective and stupid it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's wow. cool. Where, where were you in? Were you in Baghdad? We were outside of Baghdad at this old palace of Hussein, um, Saddam Hussein's. Oh, right. I, that's, yeah. How long were you strange. there for? Like maybe six days or so. Oh, wow. You were there for a whole week. Yeah, yeah. Was your family insane. freaking out? <laughs> you know what? I? Uh, they were okay. Did you have a satellite phone that you were checking in with? I think what happened, the one thing I know happened is that my husband put Baghdad on his 
weather. Uh, weather and then like <laughs> went outside in like a, some ridiculously like a t-shirt and shorts and it was like 60 degrees and because it, it was like 105 in Baghdad right. or something. Yeah. yeah. Right. I did a USO show right after the 2003, right. after Mission mm-hmm. Accomplished. And uh, my wife was not happy I went over there. Yeah. yeah she's just like, oh, that's right. Seems dangerous. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Mm-hmm. It was kind of, I, I have to admit it was kind of thrilling on some level, you know, just uh, did you enjoy that experience or I, I guess you were just working the whole time. Oh, I mean, it was it was pretty fascinating. Right. Um, and and just sort of, you know, seeing and by the way, though, the way that this place we were staying, which was like a guest house, had been an old guest house of Hussein's mm-hmm. was decorated just like Trump's apartment. <laughs> I mean, oh it's all God. the same yes. aesthetic. Um, <laughs> they have the same design. Guilt. A lot of, a oh, lot of gold yeah. guilt. Yeah, yes. a lot of gold guilt. I remember the guys working there, and we're working in the dining hall, would feed Cocoa Puffs. They, there was this man-made lake that was stocked, that Hussein had stocked with fish. And they would go out and feed Cocoa Puffs to the fish. And I always... I just remember thinking that <laughs> seemed like a a proper insult to Hussein to yeah. have his fish fed cocoa puffs. <laughs> a but, Western breakfast treat. Right, right. That's pretty wild. So you worked on two important in the larger cultural sense shows, and then in between you worked on Late Night. How dare you? <laughs> no, I... <laughs> I'm just... I'm, I Was that like, oh, this is kind of nice to get to write pieces with fake dog paws, not have to worry about politics as much? Or did you also feel like maybe were you writing political stuff when you were at Late Night? I was not. I love writing stuff that's not political. I feel drained by how much political humor is out there. And I I don't see as much of an alternative as I'd like. I loved uh, the silly stuff. I I always do. and And I don't think... I don't think that it doesn't have a point of view, you know. I think that there's importance. I don't know. Importance. I, I hate using the word importance in comedy. But anyway, I right, mean, right. I, I enjoy it. And, and it's important to me because it's some of the best right. times I've had is watching super silly stuff. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I don't have that feeling. And I and I go back and forth. I mean, the reason why I really enjoyed the Colbert Report is that it was silly. It was like, also it silly. Was, yeah, it yeah, was yeah. silly. It was. Yes. Yeah. That's what I think what I really responded to about it too. It didn't feel like it was too like I was watching a speech that was always going to have the the national anthem playing behind it. I mean it, it <laughs> right. literally did, <laughs> right. but it right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, it sort of took the piss out of that, which was great. So, at Colbert Report, you were the head writer. What was the makeup of that writing staff in terms of right. gender? Well, we started out with six writers, mm-hmm. and that's well, really that's, small for a daily show. Oh well, I should say I was a writer. As head writer, I was a writer, um, and so was I had a co-head writer, Rich Dom, who's wonderful. Mm-hmm. So I guess there were eight writers, of which there were two: me and Laura Kraft. Mm-hmm. Oh, Laura, um, I love yeah. Laura. Oh God, she's hilarious. Yeah. yeah. And I definitely found what Sweeney mentioned before, like we would get submissions and they would yeah. be 95% men submitting. Mm-hmm. We then later later um, hired Meredith Scardino, who's hilarious and wonderful. And I, I've seen submissions shift a lot, too. We did have two out of eight, but um, 
you know, I, I wish we'd had more. I, looking back, I wish I wish that I'd pushed for more at that time. I felt like I was pushing. Uh, anyway, right, it was right. I know. I mean, me, that's the thing. I think yeah. when you're, it's like what you were just saying about the cartoon situation. It takes a while to get to the point where you feel like you have the clout to to go, hey, what's going on here? Yeah, or like, well, it's going to take two extra months, but we're going to, we're going to do this work to, because it does, it's hard, it's harder to be more inclusive, that it's not the easier option. Yeah, I, uh, I absolutely agree. And I, and I wish that um, I just sort of, that I just sort of decided that I had that clout earlier. But, but again, like I, I did push and I also didn't um, quite I was sort of in a situation that existed, you know, like I definitely see it now, you know, that it's evolved. I, I mean, I, I should have, I should have said, let's go get more submissions. That's what I think. Yeah. Well, yeah. But it, yeah, it's like you're, you're, you're swimming upstream and it's yeah. a very strong current. I mean, but, but it yeah, has been a yeah. really, I, I could be wrong. People might not agree, but just you saying, you know, like Russian doll was yeah. all women. Yeah. I mean, that seems like a pretty, Dramatic evolution. Yeah, it's there's really a, dramatic. A world right. where a network would be like, "Wait, yeah. are are we sure? Is it, we should get a man in there to make sure they know how to type?" Right. You know. Right. I mean, you know where where it is now. It's it, it's better than. It's it so was, much better. Obviously. No, I really think that it's yeah. been a sea change for sure. For sure, that happened somewhere in there, and uh, yeah. I I hope that I was part of it. I think yeah. I was. I think so. And it's yeah. The I think acceleration that seeing, yeah. I mean, for me, amazing. seeing that. Oh, it's it's a job that I'm allowed to have. That makes a big deal. Jesse, do you laugh at? <laughs> no, do you do you laugh at all the writers, the male writers, trying to be woke around? <laughs> I, I feel like they're always trying to outwoke each other. Well, it is funny to but, me because that I I I do sort of feel like liberal men are kind of the worst in a way because <laughs> they <laughs> always think that they are right about everything and are not really. Still are still aren't listening though. Well, that would mean all liberal and all conservative men are terrible. I, maybe yeah. all men are well, just. Well, no, I, I, and I, I, I think it's just that's who I'm around the most. No, right. Of course. Uh, I, it is funny to see, like, because being woke is sort of trendy now. Yes. That that's like right. That that's that people yeah. want a gold star for that. Right, right, yeah. right. Yeah, I right. know. I had a friend who was um, part of a design group. And they were looking to bring in, he's uh, a white guy, um, and they're looking to bring in more people of color, more women, uh, more diversity, clearly. And he just felt like he was sure about the methods they should use to get those more people. And he, I couldn't sort of... He was encountering resistance <laughs> because the people who are already in the group or were not white and not men felt yeah. like they should maybe have more say or might have more knowledge about how to get more of them. <laughs> but he right. felt like he was the one who had the answer to how to recruit more people. <laughs> yeah. It was a kind of classic situation. Yeah. I don't know. It's just I think we've, we're also like one thing that we've been discussing the last few years is that we weren't as far along as people maybe thought we were like I I think there was this impression that oh a lot of men were thinking well I'm not sexist or racist so therefore there's not that stuff doesn't exist all fixed yeah all exactly fixed. We're, pa- we're in a post sexism and post racism world thank you and now it can just be based on merit but it's like well we weren't there no. we weren't as far as we thought right and so that's kind of been the acknowledging that process mm-hmm. that has to happen 
And then it's, oh, okay, so we're not there. Therefore, now we need to maybe give, like you were saying, we need to find new ways to recruit that aren't just tell your friends that we're hiring because Mm -hmm. that's going to mean more white people or, you know. There's an opening on our show now, and I I know Matt O'Brien, our head writer, got hundreds. But (laughs) but the ratio uh, is much higher. Way up. Oh, that's great. That seems like a nice natural yeah. evolution. Yeah, I mean, without I, having to get out there. You yeah, know? yeah. Obviously, you could still do stuff like that, but right, right, but right. not. Maybe it's not. Such well, a maybe some of us did do that. Get out of here! <laughs> You've I taken mean, the blunders. You know. Listen, I don't mean this in a pandering way, but I will say men are terrible. <laughs> I just want to get that. <sighs> Not when pandering I at all. was starting in this, I, Sweeney's so uncomfortable. He's so uncomfortable. <laughs> I've never been more relaxed. I grew up with women. Seriously, I love. No, this. it's true. No. <laughs> you, <laughs> I know Sweeney about the women in the good ones. Guys, okay. Please. <laughs> oh, oh, right. Uh, One in particular. <laughs> right. Um, I, I remember, like I, I'm sure many of the listeners will do, like hundreds of articles with the headline "Are Women Funny?" Oh yeah. There were constant "Are Women Funny?" headlines. Christopher Hitchens wrote about right. it. Right. Oh, oh, for uh. sure. Hitchens. It was like. That was Jerry Lewis. Uh, I f- oh mm-hmm. yeah, my go-to guy for <laughs> a good for those matters. Ten years worth of conversation that I feel like I'm not seeing anymore. Thank God, I feel like that's <laughs> been settled. Um, what, what was well, that? It's, like? it's on the dark like, web would, now. Oh right, incels. <laughs> that would yeah. that would infuriate. Or were you just like, ay, ay, ay. What did I think well, that you inter. I think especially. Well, I don't. I'm sorry. I don't want to speak for you, but. I, I internalize that stuff. I don't think yeah. it doesn't it, it it probably makes me angry, but it also makes me think, well, I don't know. I mean, this many people wonder that. <laughs> this and they're many getting men published. Can't be wrong. Yeah. So if the New York Times is publishing it, maybe they've got a point. Right. I don't know. I think a, a lot of times it would be used because everyone wanted to see great people like Tina and Amy and stuff. So they would be like, how do we get Tina and Amy in? Oh, we'll yeah, have yeah. it be a story of our women funny. <laughs> like, Oh, thanks a lot, guys, everyone. <laughs> Why not just a great story on Tina and Amy? Right, <laughs> you right. yeah. You did work with Tina Faye. Yeah. Yeah, on uh, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Yes. And Ellie Kemper, who used to... Ellie al- Also a Conan, Conan Connection. Did All you? these internships. You, yeah. the, I feel like there should be a documentary on late night interns because yeah. there is such I mean Mindy Kaling and John yeah. Kaczynski John and Kaczynski. Ellie Kemper yeah. I, I, there are many more I believe yes. did you, <laughs> did, did, you know, uh, did you use Ellie in sketches and stuff at late night I did not you know I think she I we were not we did not overlap I think I did okay. use her at Colbert Rapport um, we hired her okay. um, and then I worked with her at the office as, as well. Oh, yeah. Um, you oh, wow. Oh, my yeah, God. Yeah. Man. So Name she, of You have the best show. resume. I know. Portlandia. <gasps> oh, my God. That's uh, right. You've got some uh, nerve. You know, it's like, you know, all, no failed projects that no projects that didn't get to air make it on resume. <laughs> 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 well, I was telling Sweeney earlier that you make a really good case for um, for leaving a job you know, like you don't want to stay somewhere too long because mm. then you kind of keep some momentum. Do yeah. you feel like that was intentional? You don't want to end were... up like me. <laughs> oh, no. Well, um, uh, <laughs> I feel like I think about that all the time because obviously I gave up some stability because a, yeah. a, a late night job can be the closest that there is to like 
tenure, you know, yeah, yeah. like you've got a steady income, you're going to be around, uh, hopefully. And now I have kids, you know, at the time, uh, you know, so now I really want that steady income. But I guess I just wanted to, div- well, I think there's a couple things. One, I have been very, very slowly working myself up to writing a long script. It's just taking me more mm. than 20 years. <laughs> I started at The Daily Show just writing jokes, mm-hmm. and then I went to Conan. and then So uh, I uh, it really is getting comfortable with longer forms. More than 12 pages, yeah. Yeah, because I'm so, I, I really, uh, yeah, I, I can be very OCD about that. But uh, uh, I think it's, also, it's been a lot of fun to get sort of the diversity of that and to feel like I'm in I'm based in New York. And now I feel like, OK, I I know how to do episodic. I know how to do late night. And uh, that puts me in the position to get more jobs, hopefully. And yeah. stuff. but, you know, more people. I mean, right. Yeah. So much about that, too. Yeah. How have you what, what has been sort of your your process for talking yourself into taking some of these risks? I mean, how how do you write? look at opportunities? I think, I, I don't know, I guess I have somewhat of a good tolerance for it. I, I've been, I really kind of just look for things that seem really interesting to me. I always feel that like, um, I think a lot of times people underestimate what viewers will go for. I think that mm-hmm. viewers really like um, you to take a, a a strong, I don't. I don't have any Sports metaphors: a strong swing, a big swing. That's, that's perfect. Call. A big that's swing. Really great. That's right on the money. <laughs> right. I think that they appreciate big swings uh, much more than uh, a lot of times they get credit for. So I, I, I really am drawn to things that have a, a, a really strong point of view and are and places where I get the job. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I'll bring it up now. <laughs> you have a nickname for me, oh, and oh, I don't boy. remember. The genesis of it. Uh, I, I think it was that you were a raving asshole. Right. No, I... Ah! <laughs> and then you shortened it to just asshole. Just, <laughs> raving I, asshole is long. I don't... Yeah, I, but I, I mean, I, I really love that that is your nickname for me, but I don't... Rem- Would you say that to his face? You know what? I think it probably... I, I, it's so not clever that I feel embarrassed. <laughs> oh, like it's, well, let's it's not so talk first about it. Thought. But no, um, I, I think that I just... Uh, Maybe it was... I mean, obviously I, I just very was just, ironic. Oh, so ironic. Yeah. <laughs> um, I just didn't enjoyed the idea that I could call a boss asshole to his face and get away with it. Uh, and you were so... And no true asshole would let you. I, it's true. <laughs> I mean, I, I guess I it's just... I clearly used to being called that because I was like, uh, yeah, you found out. <laughs> so I, yeah, I think that was... I think, you know, there was things where you're like, I can't believe I... I you know, I can't believe I get to have this job. Like when you would, you know, I remember doing some, uh, Gene Wilder was on the show and we were doing something about young Frankenstein and, and I had some bit where we had like 15 different people dressed up as Frankenstein and people were asking me, some of them were eating, some of them were like, they all had different things that they were doing. And I remember someone asking me like, how many of the Frankensteins are eating Chinese food? And you just have this like, It's just so crazy and that you can, that I could do it, that I would be allowed to do it. Um, and it, it just sort of hits your neurons in a specific way. And I think it, I think it's along the lines of that. Like I, somehow I looked into a job where I'm allowed to call my boss asshole <laughs> and, and, and it kind of encouraged. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well, the, the highlight for me was um, going to your wedding. 
It's one of my oh. prized possessions. <laughs> you and invited the, a boss you thought was an asshole to your wedding? Yeah, isn't that? Yeah. Yeah, he was no longer closer. my boss. Oh, I That's see. right. Right. That yeah, we're, we're just friends. Um, <laughs> and, you know, you go to the table to look for your name. And I was like, uh, you know, I'm looking at the S's. Uh, I don't see Sweeney. And it turns out I was... In the A's, it was just there was a card that said just said asshole. Oh my god, that's so funny. <laughs> it was great. That's I and love then, it. I still and have, then was and it in, Mrs. Asshole for Cynthia? I can't remember. No, I'm sure. I she think got we did name. Cynthia, yeah. but uh, and in beautiful calligraphy. Yes, it was great. I, a lot of people asked me about that afterwards. Oh right, family like, members confused. Who's the asshole? <laughs> right. I'm uh, amazed you great. didn't have more than one asshole at your wedding. Because <laughs> most only people one was have called more out. than one. Right. <laughs> oh, and there's one thing I was remembering coming yes. up here. I just remember. I think. Uh, remember earlier I was saying. I think I said this. Did I say about? Oh right. Yeah. The crying and the caring too much. Okay. Yeah. This was not a crying. This is the other side of the coin. I remember John McCain. Being on the show, oh and he was doing um, Secrets, um, which uh, right. was a wonderful bit where, yeah, someone would be interrogated, uh, you know, behind a, a table and, you know, with a cigarette perhaps and the big, you know, spotlight on them and they would give up their secrets and we would write funny stuff for them. And um, I got to be, even though all the writers contributed to this, uh, I got to be sort of the producer on this one with John McCain. And I spoke to him beforehand and he was, you know, we had a big list of uh, jokes and he would check the ones that uh, he liked and he had really good taste. Um, and, uh, and then we started shooting it and I just kept thinking that he wasn't getting the lines just right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I kept pushing him, him and pushing yeah. him and we just started doing way too many takes for a sitting senator <laughs> and someone coming down and being <laughs> and advising me that I had to stop oh boy. torturing the senator. <laughs> Was he cool That's about really it? He, he oh, just... I'm sorry to use the word torture there. Yeah. Uh, 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 no, I am. Um, he... He was going with it, but it was just, you know, I mean, you can't. Not he's, not an actor. Actor. he's not an yeah. actor. No, right, but I right. was just like, I couldn't let it go. I just kept pushing and pushing and pushing this poor man who had agreed to give us our time, his time. It was well, your apocalypse now. glad you now. got that off your chest. <laughs> wow. Well, Allison, thank you so much for taking time yeah, out. Thank you. Thank you. To yes, sit with this us. This is great. I, I hope your, whatever your next project is. It's gonna be. It's a gonna giant be the hit. next. It's gonna be the the next biggest show that's yes. on television. So look for that. <laughs> TBD. Thanks, guys. No pressure. <laughs> Thanks, Allison. Okay. Well, that uh, that was really cool for me. I mean, I, I think you could tell that I was excited to meet yes, another. <laughs> I'm glad you guys got to meet. Woman writer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, no, you she's, too. she's amazing. You're fast friends. And I'm still asshole to her, so that's important. <laughs> no, but you two have, you. there's a camaraderie there that. Yeah, no. Well, yeah. Yeah, no, she's fantastic. I'm always excited to see her. Yeah. <laughs> and get called asshole. Again. get called asshole. You don't get enough of that at home. I, well, <laughs> when the kids are home, I do. We're back in the office next week. Right. And we are going to have a behind-the-scenes episode. That is our plan. Where, who knows what's going to happen. It's going to yeah. be a hustling, bustling office again. Right. Which full I'm looking of, forward to. Full of low-grade drama. 
but we'll try to amp it up. <laughs> yeah, we'll add some sound effects. Yeah, it'll be impressive. Now, behind the scenes next week. So, yeah. So the latest. We'll hope to see you all. Th- I will not see you. Oh, my God. Such an idiot. Please. Just, oh, God. No, Jesse. Jesse. Why did I say that? You're an idiot. So uh, those are our new names. You're an idiot. I'm asshole. Okay. Well, this is we... Idiot signing off. Uh, and this is Asshole until next week. We'll see you next week. We like you. Inside Conan, an important Hollywood podcast, is hosted by Mike Sweeney and me, Jesse Gaskell. Produced by Kevin Bartelt. Engineered by Will Beckton. Mixed by Ryan Connor. Supervising producer is Aaron Blaird. Associate producer, Jen Samples. Executive produced by Adam Sachs and Jeff Ross. Jeff team, Ross. Jeff Ross at Team Coco. And Colin Anderson and Chris Bannon at Earwolf. Thanks to Jimmy Vivino for our theme music and interstitials. You can rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. And of course, please subscribe and tell a friend to listen to Inside Conan on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or whatever platform you like best. Ta-da! This has been a Team Coco production in association with Earwolf. <laughs>